Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Forever Saturday podcast, because it is always college football Saturday in our house. I'm Serena, better known as R on Twitter. And I'm Matt, also at MattSports723. So some stuff has happened. Just a little bit. Like, we picked the wrong program time to... <laughs> not know how to have a drama-free offseason? Obviously not. Like I mean, this has been maybe the most eventful week of an offseason I can ever remember. Honestly, they're out here serving. They're absolutely serving content to the masses right now. It is dramatic. It's messy. They're giving the people what they want, kind of. Although Listen, some of this I, we didn't really ask Yeah, for. I didn't ask for any of this. But at the very least, they're making it easy on us. Jeez. This is true. We, we don't to, run out of content yeah, no. until like February with this fucking team. The season ended like a month and a half ago. We're like, nah, we're rolling into February because they're, they're serving with the drama. Yeah, we picked the wrong time to. I mean, we took a, a little weekend away and then I got stuck on a work trip for a couple of days. So all this stuff has been going down and we've been mostly out of commission. So I guess it's uh, kind of time to catch up. So we'll start with the good news, which is Michigan got its head coach back. It, I mean, we talked about this on the episode we, the last episode we did, but neither one of us was really buying the NFL rumors. We were both, it, it felt very leveragey to us. Yeah, I think early on I kind of went back and forth on like, do I think that he really, you know, does he really still have that, I called it the thorn in his brain of like not winning the Super Bowl and wanting to try to go back and, and do that and kind of be able to check that off his list. And then as it went along, it did kind of feel like, yeah, like you said, that it was leverage. It was negotiation. It just never really felt like it did last year when he was very openly telling people, I'm going to pursue an NFL job if it comes available to me. And this year, it just never, it never came across like that. And so, in a way, I think it was kind of anticlimactic almost when we saw the announcement come across. It was like, "Hey, Harbaugh's back! Like, great!" But also, it kind of felt like where this was headed all along. Well, in just some ways, it was anticlimactic. We'll <laughs> get we'll get to the ways in a minute. But the thing that I think is weird about it is, you know, we talked about it being leveragey the entire time. It, it felt like a lot of agent speak, a lot of nonsense. Yep. But as far as we know, I mean, even as we we're, as we sit today, there is no new contract in place or the details of a new contract have not been made public. So it is weird to I, I mean, I don't know if they're final or damn near final or and Harbaugh has gotten all of the leverage that he wanted out of the rumors. But it is weird to be like it's leveragey and then never see what that leverage yields in terms of like what his contracts actually what his oh, contract we'll actually it. looks like. Well, right. But it's weird when it's like, OK, he did it for leverage, but he like withdrew himself ostensibly from the consideration of, you know, the Denver Broncos or whomever it might yeah. have been before that contract was inked or whatever. And so it is kind of weird to be like, it's a leverage play, but also, you know, there's no new contract. Like you would expect him to announce his return and also announce an extension kind of simultaneously. I think that's typically what people do. So it is weird to be like, it's leverage, but also there's no new contract yet. Well, as we got like, there's kind a of, little bit of tension. It's not like, yeah. but it's weird, right? It is a little bit weird, but also I think as we got closer to the end and we started hearing about Harbaugh's relationship with Ward Manuel and, and then the NCA investigation that came out and the reported, NIL program that Harbaugh had been working on with Todd Anson where they wanted like official access basically they wanted something that was truly affiliated in the sense that they had access to the Michigan donor roles right for outreach and funding that's what I read between the lines of what Anson was saying I don't think that was like made explicit but I think the, the what he was getting at was like an affiliation with the athletic department meaning 
we get to call the same deep pockets that you do. Right. He didn't really lay out the details on that. But there were things that were coming out that it was like, okay, I can see why Harbaugh is frustrated about X, Y, and Z. And none of those were really monetary. And I have a feeling that that was more of what the leverage and negotiation was about than just pure dollars. Because he was, I mean, he was already making good money and it just doesn't really make sense that he was right. doing and all of this to get a $2 million raise when he probably could have gotten that anyway. If right, he really he's going to get the curve setting deal from like a money perspective. Correct. Like he's going to be paid as much as Mel Tucker and Ryan Day and nobody is going to think twice about that. He's a top five coach in the sport right now and he deserves to be compensated accordingly and he will be. I don't think anybody thought otherwise really. But yeah, it... It was just a little weird when you're like, okay, he's using it for leverage, but then the actual outcome that the leverage was used for isn't disclosed at the same time as his return. I just feel like more often than not, when you see these announcements, it's like, we're announcing that XYZ coach signed a contract extension. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, there's an article from the local news that details like what they know and then a few weeks later there's a FOIA where they actually if it's a public school and they get the contract and they tell me all about what the ins and outs of of those deals are and then that's typically kind of how the timeline looks this is a little off in that sense but I don't know well that's why I think that it was not really about the the dollar value because if he agreed to come back without a specific dollar value in place and that's something that's like yeah it's fine we'll work it out we know roughly what we're going to get then that to me tells me that it was more about other issues including possibly <laughs> his re- relationship with Ward Manual or the yeah, NIL program. Okay. That- <laughs> so there was some, some absolutely messy shit going on here, which is to say when the announcement came through, I'm sure anybody listening, listening to this podcast is already very well versed in how this went down. But, you know, when the news broke, it broke from the university president. It was Santa Ono and Harbaugh essentially releasing like simultaneous or near simultaneous statements. And the bit from from President Ono says something like, I informed Ward Manuel. Right. Like, sir, <laughs> I got to tell you, like, you're not typically the person we expect to be in. Ward Manuel is supposed to be informing you. Right. right. Like. You're his boss and he's supposed to be brokering this deal and then being able to come to his boss and being like, I got the deal done, right? I'm pretty sure Mark Schlissel was never on the phone negotiating new contracts with some of Michigan's major athletic coaches, right? Like He was too busy ordering chapatis at Pizza House <laughs> and tipping 15%. He did not have the time. Like, buddy, there's apps for that. Just pick up the phone and call your athletic director. Nonetheless... But yeah, that statement and then Harbaugh's statement, not only Harbaugh's statement that was released concurrently with Santa Ono's statement, but his prior ones, which had very explicitly not mentioned Ward Manuel while mentioning, you know, support from the university and several other capacities. Right. Like and at some president. point, you he have to believe. singled out President right, Ono yeah. in that, yeah, press, re- press release, whatever they call them, like Twitter right. graphics yeah. with quotes, <laughs> like really weird. At some point. Just the logical brain has to be like, okay, this is not a coincidence that he's very explicitly not mentioning Ward Manual while negotiating specifically with the university president and not his literal boss, who apparently is not involved in these discussions at all because he is being informed by the school president. Is it of what's good happening. when your boss has to step in and do your job for you? <laughs> and when you make seven figures to do said job? <laughs> I'm trying to imagine like what that equivalent would be for like a partner doing doc review. Like, this fucking idiot can't draft discovery requests, and I'm here to draft them. Like, I don't know what it would be, but it would not be a good look for me, is all I'm saying. It doesn't seem good. 
No, I'm going to go ahead and, and say it's bad. But that appears to be kind of what happened, that you know their relationship, Ward Manuel's and Jim Harbaugh's, seems to not be very good. And President Ono is kind of brokering these deals on behalf of the university and in lieu of Ward Manuel. Now, it's not unheard of for Jim Harbaugh to be difficult to work with. Everybody kind of knows how his tenure in San Francisco ended. But like, man... If you're Ward Manuel, it is your like your primary job, I think, as the director of athletics is to like manage people. I mean, you manage a department and managing your coaches has to be like, I don't know, probably like the second or third most important thing that you do on a day to day basis. I mean, your job is to facilitate success for the athletic department, right? And with what we've heard regarding his relationship with Harbaugh and potentially being an obstacle to Harbaugh coming back on top of the report on the uh, what we were talking about with the uh, Harbaugh and Anson proposal for an NIL program and Ward Manuel apparently being the the person standing in the way, whereas the the Regents and Harbaugh were on board with like a, a true quote unquote NIL program, and Manuel is again the roadblock. Like at some point, at Michigan football not only drives the bus but it is the bus, right? Like football is is king. And if you are a serious obstacle to the football program succeeding, I don't think it really matters what else you're doing. And it's not like we're like I, I don't have any special insight to know how well Ward Manuel is managing or handling other coaches or, you know, success or lack thereof of some of the non-revenue sports or whatever. But I don't think that stuff matters very much. And I'm not sure it really should when football is just so prevalent as the you know front and center face of the athletic program like I, the more i think about it the more i just it's hard to see him continuing on as athletic director as that being a tenable situation when you have no real relationship with the coach and it's becoming pretty clear that again you're an obstacle to the not only the football program but to some extent all the programs moving forward in the nil world and being able to succeed on the same level as what other elite programs are doing not to mention the, I won't even go into all the details on this. So you're probably familiar for listening to this, but last summer, the mess with the hockey program and Ward Manuel going to bat for Mel Pearson, trying to sign him to an extension when everybody around the program and at the regent level was like, this is absolutely not fucking happening. He's gone. <laughs> Just every situation that he's had to do something meaningfully good, he has been more of an obstacle, more of a problem than a solution. And at some point, you just have to look at that and say, why do you continue to employ someone in that capacity? Someone making seven figures, right? $1.1 million a year is what Ward Manuel is making to currently be more of a problem than a solution. Yeah, I mean, and on the last podcast, I got up here and I defended Ward Manuel because I was like, okay, guys, we're talking about a contract negotiation. He can't negotiate if he doesn't have a negotiating partner on the ta- at the table. And if that negotiating partner is out there collecting leverage before they come back and sit across from you, there's nothing you can do to accelerate that timeline. And I still feel that way. But man, these problems run deeper than, you know, a, di- a, a strategy that I do, like, agree or don't agree with in a contract right, this isn't negotiation. Just why haven't you re-signed Jim Harbaugh yet? Like, that we've, we're finding out that there are a lot more issues here on top of the ones we were already aware of that I, I think made some of us kind of ambivalent about Ward Manuel's position. And, yeah, just there's some issues there that I, I don't see really enough on the positive side, kind of outweighing those issues for the position that he's in. 
Yeah, and if you don't know, I mean, I again, we're just assuming a baseline level of people keeping tabs on Michigan football for this episode. But nonetheless, if you don't know, you know, Todd Anson was tweeting a little bit about this in the last week. And what he was essentially saying was he is kind of a, a Michigan Twitter personality or staple, but he's, I think, a close friend of Jim Harbaugh's, right? Yeah, like, he's one of the few people out there who you know is actually in Harbaugh's kind of inner circle, inner circle. And, and knows what his thinking is at any given point in time. Yeah, and so he was tweeting about this, essentially saying that, like, he w- had worked on setting up, like, an honest-to-God 501c3, I think was what he said, which I was, like, a nonprofit, I guess, but whatever. That's what most of the NIL collectives are being set are up being as, set even up though it's... Yeah, you know, pr- pretty transparently bullshit. They yeah. are technically I was like, nonprofits. Mm, nonprofit. Yeah. I don't know about that. I guess if all you do is pay out money, you're not making money. But <laughs> I think that's the idea. But yeah, yeah anyway. I, I, it seems wrong to me. It's not like a fucking charity. But I guess you got rich people giving money to it, so I get mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Don't ask me about tax laws. But you know, the the idea was that he was in the process of setting up like an honest to god collective that would be affiliated with with Michigan, like truly, not in the like valiant like wink and a nod way but like no this is literally michigan's collective and that ward manual essentially was the veto on this that he would not allow it to proceed that harbaugh was working directly with anson on setting this up like this was fully jim harbaugh's baby or at least at the very least had his strong support and what anson said was that the regions also were on board with this sort of program We, we don't know if like we don't know how true that is or like how much support there really is at the regent level but if it's broadly true that the regents and jim harbaugh are on board with moving michigan into this again what i've been calling quote unquote nil where it's not you're not really talking about endorsements in the way that nil was intended to be you're talking about pay for pay for play just in a sort of indirect way but if ward manual is the obstacle to michigan doing that that's a problem and i don't see like I don't see why the regents or Jim Harbaugh, given the power and cachet that he has at the university, would stand for that. Like, there's no reason to let Ward Manuel be the, the roadblock if that's the, the path. No, that you I mean, need if you're down. asking Michigan fans to choose, this is not a tough well, right, choice. Right, yeah. But, I mean, you know, there were things when I'm re- I was reading Anson's tweets, and I'm like, okay. There are holes in this story, right? Which is to say, if you want to set up a 501c3, Ward Manual can't fucking stop you. Go do it. But I think the the real thing is they wanted one that like was truly affiliated and had access to all of the like deep pockets that athletics do. Had a- like true access to like every email address that athletics sends out to like every yep. single person, the full breadth of their knowledge. Otherwise, I mean, there's no difference between that and, and Valiant, Valiant and totally, the three or four other collectives. It's duplicative that of Valiant yeah. without that kind of forged connection. But I mean, like, I don't know. It feels like at least reasonably still doable. Like Jim Harbaugh doesn't know who the deep pockets are. I'm sure they're standing around on the sidelines at that practice that they have that they invite all the fucking rich people to. Yeah, if Harbaugh so, wants to pick up the phone and call people, they're going to answer, obviously. So, like, I I, I don't know. Part right, there's of, probably some details that we're missing here. Right, but. there are, like, holes in it where I'm like, I don't know. It feels like you can probably still pull this off even without Ward. But nonetheless, it, it strikes both of us as kind of problematic that if it's true that he is a roadblock here. It's like, not only are you standing in the way of re-signing your football coach, you're like 
actively torpedoing the university's attempts and the athletic department's attempts, not really the athletic department, you're the athletic department, but torpedoing these coaches' attempts to like bring our programs into the 21st century. And, yeah, and that's not even just football. Like I mean, that Hunter is, Dickinson has talked about it with the basketball program, right? Like there are things that you know are going on elsewhere that Michigan hasn't been doing. And if you want to be on the same competitive level, at some point you kind of have to, like, like you have to do those things, right? Yeah, so that all is bad news bears for Ward Manual. <laughs> like, I'm skeptical. Like, the Mel Pearson stuff made me very skeptical, and now it's like every additional detail that I'm getting, I'm like, okay, guys, like, I've got questions big time. I think it was Brian Mack on Twitter who, in response to my tweet about Ward Manual earlier today, said essentially that there are three things that you can do to succeed in a job. One is have your bosses love you. Two is have your people love you. Three is be so indispensably good that no one will ever want to get rid of you, regardless of how much they like you. And the problem for Ward Manuel is that he definitely hasn't done any of those three things. So there's just, there's very little on the side or in the column of definitely need to retain this guy, which the more I think about it and the more things that are in the other column, or at least the more big things that are in the other column, I find it somewhat unlikely that he's long for the AD job at Michigan. Again, no inside information there. This is just purely kind of logical thinking. Yeah, no, we're speculating. And then not to mention there was, you know, the John U. Bacon report this morning that basically said, like, Harbaugh and Ward haven't spoken in, like, months. It's kind of obviously not true because, like, there's absolutely no chance in hell that they didn't speak after the Michigan State incident. I mean, they were, like, at the podium together. Right. There's also a couple pictures of them, like, on the field together before games while guys are warming up and whatever. Like, they've obviously interacted. But what he clarified was official, like, contractual or other. Like, it's all going through intermediaries in terms of official communication between the two, which is not ideal and when you just layer that on to the other issues and again it just seems like there are so many things that he's kind of standing in the way or is making more difficult for people in the exact opposite way of what your athletic director should in theory be doing given the definition of his job that uh yeah like i said it's it's kind of hard to see that being a, a tenable situation for him going forward for sure, but we have our coach back, so I suppose I'll take that. And we do. We'll see. He's what still happens. got some uh, NCAA sanctions potentially hanging over him. I don't know that there's a lot new that's come out there beyond what we talked about last the time. The dumbest but... shit. It remains <laughs> the dumbest shit. I like can't deal. It's, it's so, so funny bad. that you see. I don't know if y'all have followed the situation that's going on at Florida, but they signed a borderline five-star quarterback named Jaden Rashada. He just recently backed out asked for a release from his letter uh, his uh his scholarship right because apparently the florida collective like the quasi official one that they have had offered him this is reports you know we don't have any official like contracts or anything but the report is that he had been offered by them 13 million dollars there are a lot of disputes over that number but that is the one i keep that's the number i've seen in multiple reports slash stories slash whatever anyway so that's the rumor, at least, is $13 million over the course of his career to play at Florida. Once he signed, apparently it became very evident that they were not going to be able to come up with that money. And so he's backed out of it. And now he's basically just on the open market saying, I'm open for business. Come at me with NIL offers and let's see what else I can get. And it's <laughs> it, it's kind of like a, a 
dark comedy here going on that you've got guys out there just saying, hey, offer me the best you got and, you know, backing out of their scholarships because the $13 million they were promised isn't coming to fruition. And meanwhile, Jim Harbaugh is facing an NCAA suspension for buying two burgers and then misremembering slash maybe lying about like this just feels like so insignificant in the grand scheme of what's happening around college sports right now that it's truly laughable and I think the only real new information that we got here was earlier in the week there was a report from Dan Wetzel at Yahoo who's always kind of been like the inside of NCA investigations guy he had a report that negotiations between Michigan slash Harbaugh and the NCA in terms of Harbaugh's punishment for these uh, you know violations that they've alleged punishment uh, <laughs> right apparently there were negotiations ongoing and they've essentially fallen apart in the last couple of days because the NCA insisted that Harbaugh publicly apologize for lying absolutely the fuck not <laughs> no and his stance is I didn't lie I just didn't remember that this was the case so I'm not going to apologize for not correctly remembering the details of an incident from multiple years ago and now there's just a standoff I think and going it should back be to... noted that every report I've read said the NCAA has no proof of anything that like like they can't you can't prove that someone doesn't remember something. Right. That's not how the believe <laughs> depositions would be a lot more fun if you could prove that someone remembered something when they say I don't recall. You need that Man, black mirror shit where you can rewind people's vision or whatever to see what happened in, or what they saw in the past. Anyway. No, we don't. That's terrifying. (laughs) That's why it's an episode of Black Mirror. Thanks, but no thanks, dude. (laughs) Fair enough. But no, so that's where we're at. And I mean, going back to what we were talking about before with the Harbaugh contract negotiation, I I think that's part of what he was negotiating was I want to make sure I have the full support of the university and don't have to worry about, you know, facing some contractual issues or punishment down the road because of what the NCAA is coming after me with in terms of allegations. And apparently what Wetzel reported was that Michigan not only is fully supportive of Harbaugh in his case with the NCA, but is willing to litigate it. I mean, basically the stance is, Hell yeah. if you want to take this to court and argue that I lied and didn't misremember, prove it. Otherwise, you call Wilmer Hale or whoever off. the fuck does all of these cases for Michigan. Right. And I think that's the only reasonable stance here is like, there is no reason to let the NCA dictate upon you considering every, again, considering everything else that's happening in the sport, but also that, not, not only is this nothing, but what is this punishment I mean, supposed to be? They have, like, no investigative power, right? So, like, they're not the fucking feds. They can't subpoena you. Like, they don't really have, like, investigative power, right? That's why the FBI thing in, like, college basketball yeah, right. was so significant. It was, like, because they have investigative power. They went ahead, did the investigation, handed the case over to the NCAA, and the NCAA was like, okay, what do I do with this? And still did basically nothing with we'll, it. Will Wade, man. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like, I just, you know what I mean? It, it's really foolish. They should back him 100%. This is so fucking dumb. I can't even begin to deal with it. And, and there were a lot of stuff. Fine. Uh, or there were a lot of, like, tweets and reports coming out of that, that uh, Wetzel article I was talking about that were basically like, you know, what's next? Like, so what happens now? You've got... Harbaugh and the NCAA to standoff and I think the the report about Michigan being at his back and, and willing to litigate it pretty much answered that question the answer is <laughs> giant and middle finger and again like if you want to take us to court and try to argue that he lied instead of misremembering good luck and otherwise Jim Harbaugh is going to be standing on the sideline coaching and you have no real authority to do anything else so the only appropriate response is to tell the NCAA to kick rocks right like you're not relevant. 
no one likes you. Go home. Okay, bye. <laughs> also, one of the uh, level two alligator. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Level one. Level two is the more serious ones, right? And level one. No, is I thought the... level one was the more serious one. I thought it was like a DEFCON one thing. I think you're right. Okay. So, yeah, that was my thought initially was the level two allegations are the ones that are less serious. The minor shit that nobody really cares about where, like, they watched a guy work out over Zoom. Anyway, one of the three was that they had an analyst performing on-field coaching duties, and now that rule is in the process of being changed, so the analysts can perform on-field coaching duties anyway. So now you're talking about, like, you know, closing the barn door after the horse has left. You're punishing people for doing a thing that you've been in the process of changing the rule anyway. It's like all of this is just garbage. You want to know how I know this is garbage? There's actually one true litmus test for whether or not this is garbage. Mm-hmm. And it's that even Michigan State and Ohio State fans think it's garbage. Like, I've seen many tweets from opposing fans being like, this is stupid, let's move on. Okay, yeah, when Michigan State fans are in on it, that's... Like, not all of them, of course. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's, that's for let's, sure. call it, let's call it what it is. But, like, you know, when you're getting, like, rival fan bases being like, this is dumb, let's please move on with our lives, this is so stupid, that's when I'm like, damn straight, this is fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's really only the people who are, like, not actually looking at what the allegations are. Because anybody else with a, even half a brain has to be, again, these level two violations that we're talking about and being like, okay, that's nothing. And then now we're talking about whether Harbaugh misremembered buying two guys a burger, maybe, when you've got just open bidding across the country on players and recruits. Like, I don't know what we're doing. But anyway, it's very dumb. And I think it's pretty clear that Michigan is like fully behind Harbaugh in the sense that whatever the NCAA tries to do, it's going to be either very minor or it's going to get dragged out in court so long as to be meaningless in the near term. Oh, yeah. Litigation is something because... You know about litigation. <laughs> a little bit. Just a, just a smidge. Yeah, that shit can take a long time. I'm working on one case that is at least 10 years old. <sighs> That's so like so stupid i've seen that it's not unheard of but let's talk about a thing i don't know anything about which is computer access crimes <laughs> i don't know if anybody knows what's going on there but i got fucking f- like i had a whole bunch of people because i right when i saw the report about matt weiss who has now been fired as i'm sure you all know but when i first saw the report about this i was like i literally don't know what the fuck a computer access crime was and i got a whole bunch of people in my mentions being like what kind of lawyer are you that you don't know? Blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I how was are you like, not an expert on computer access I was crimes like, as a commercial one, litigator? You're right. It, uh, my apologies for not knowing every law on the planet. <laughs> they, like, well, like, it's a fair expectation. Like, what the fuck, actually? And number two, like, you're not a real lawyer until you've read something and then gone, what the actual fuck does that mean? That happened on my very first day of law school when we read, like, one of those ancient cases, mm-hmm. you know, 1700 English. I was like, I don't know what the fuck any of this means. That's a rite of passage, okay? And it still happens even when you practice law. Nonetheless, I looked at the statute, right? He's being like, you, why don't you just figure it up then, lawyer? And I was like, fuck off. But I looked at the statute. And the problem with the statute is that it's so unbelievably broad. It means nothing. It's like using a computer to commit a crime well what crime you right, don't that could know be ten thousand different you don't things know. We're, we're hacking icloud stealing credit card information like a phishing scam like wire fraud wire fr- like what was the crime you still don't fucking know nobody has any idea what the crime is right are you are, was he pirating movies what's the crime 
Like, imagine he's just sitting there, like, torrenting. He was rebroadcasting like, Major League Baseball games without the express written consent of the MLB. Right. You know, some nonsense. Like, no one knows what the crime is. It doesn't mean anything. So, like, whatever. If you came for me, fuck you. It doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. And we still don't really know. I mean, we still don't know what Matt Weiss allegedly did, but we know. Other than it the wasn't initial report, I guess that it was an attempt to email access hacking. emails. It was right? some but sort we don't of know whose. We don't know why. why. Like, yeah, it's just still such a weird, hazy situation. You got to say, computer accessing your way out of a seven-figure job as offensive coordinator at Michigan is certainly a move you can make. Not one I would personally make, but. Yeah, so Matt Weiss is uh, is gone as of today, and you know, whatever happens, happens. I guess we'll find out kind of how this plays out legally. Ultimately, it doesn't matter to Michigan anymore, but what does matter is that they need an offensive coordinator, maybe, and I guess there are really two options here. One is that you've got Sharon Moore, obviously, as co-offensive coordinator. Is he ready to fully kind of run the offense, and if so, can you also put that and O-line coaching duties on him. I don't think that's a very realistic ask, frankly. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was a position coach, a tight, a tight the, ends coach Especially the ago. way Michigan plays. Michigan's offensive line is doing, like, beyond run-of-the-mill shit. Right, yes. That's a very complicated job, almost a coordinator job in and of itself, being O-line coach. So to ask him to fully take on those duties – like, you know, fully taking on game planning, play calling, and being offensive line coach, I, I think that's an unrealistic ask. So the question is, if you think he's really ready to run the ship, you probably go out and find an offensive line coach, and you replace him in that regard, and you let him be fully promoted and overseeing everything on the offensive side of the ball. But if you're not sure that he's ready for that, or you don't think that that's your best option at least, you've also got basically just the, the option of replacing Matt Weiss and finding someone who is co-offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach and the obvious fit would seem to be Greg Roman who was possibly fired or kind of stepped away and exactly what the details were I don't think we really know but yeah it's the same it kind seems of like it was a quote unquote, Harbaugh got at <laughs> in San Francisco right it was a like mutual parting of ways yeah. that's really one guy being forced out but obviously Greg Roman has a lot of history with the Harbaugh's collectively. I mean, he was offensive coordinator for Harbaugh at Stanford, and he was offensive coordinator for Harbaugh with the 49ers. And over the last few years, he's been with the Ravens, leading that, you know, Lamar Jackson kind of quarterback run heavy offense that really was the catalyst for Michigan bringing Matt Weiss in, right? I mean, that was the idea when he was brought in was that he could add some of what the Ravens offense had been doing to the Michigan offense, and especially with JJ kind of coming through the pipeline and looking like the, the long-term starter, that made a lot of sense. If you can get the guy who is, you know, <laughs> not only has the history with Harbaugh, but was the sort of genesis of bringing in Matt Weiss originally, and you, you can get the, you know, the mentor to the men rather than the mentee, that would be a fantastic get, I think, for Michigan. I, I will say I have somewhat mixed feelings in the sense that he hasn't been coaching in college since the Stanford days, and that's really the only – like college coaching experience that he has. It's, otherwise, it's all NFL is what I'm saying. And I always have a little bit of uneasiness about guys like that just because the games are different. I have uneasiness because the Ravens' offense hasn't looked particularly good lately either. Of course, a lot of that is Lamar Jackson not playing down the stretch. And like, certainly looks like a different offense when you don't have the guy who you know won the MVP award two years ago. 
But yeah, I mean, that's fair. It's also dropped off enough to the point that he is open for business right now. <laughs> and so that that's, you know, a little bit of a double-edged sword that you've got some pretty good history. You've also got a guy who was just kind of fired and hasn't really been spending a whole lot of time in college, at least not in the last decade. So I'm not going to say it's like a home run higher, and if they get him, oh, my God, the sky's the limit for the Michigan offense, et cetera, et cetera. But from a continuity standpoint and doing the things that I think Harbaugh has wanted to do with the offense for the past couple of years, I think that would be a, a great get to be able to have him come in as maybe it's a co-offensive coordinator role along with Sharon Moore, or maybe it's as an analyst like Nick Saban has done, right, bringing in guys coming off of firings or whatever else. Yes, an analyst the Nick role. Saban rehabilitation program <laughs> yes, exactly. for terminated coaches, yeah. That could be a great fit since I think uh, Roman's still getting paid a pretty good amount by the Ravens. He could take on kind of a, a lower-paying job that's basically being subsidized and have that for a year or two until more is ready or however they work that out. I think that would be a pretty good fit. So you've got basically those two options, right? You either promote more and you hire an O-line coach to split those duties apart. Or you bring in someone like Greg Roman, or maybe there's another quarterback-oriented uh, offensive coach out there who could fill more of the Matt Weiss type role while leaving Sharon Moore as more of the, um, you know, in a true off, uh, co-offensive coordinator role like he's been in. Yeah, I'm not even, I mean, they could do that one way or the other. If Sharon Moore gets promoted to like full-time OC and they hire a offensive line coach, essentially... I'm not even going to begin to speculate about who a fucking offensive line coach could be because honestly, yeah, I don't no. know. Like, <laughs> sorry, don't know. We I'm not going to pretend I know about who the preeminent candidates for offensive line coaching are. Well, and I think the latter is the default preference because we did hear on uh, WTK this morning, Sam Webb said he had a gut feeling, which essentially means Sam Webb knows from somebody in the program that Michigan is quote unquote kicking the tires on Greg Roman. So there's been some outreach there. You know, whether that actually ends up you know, resulting in anything as far as Roman joining the staff, I have no idea. But like I said, I think that would be a really good move from a continuity standpoint and potentially being able to introduce a little bit more of what they were already trying to do, I think, with Matt Weiss, building that into the offense around JJ and the run game that they have in place. So we'll see what happens. I would be, uh, you know, like I said, I would feel good about that outcome, uh, probably more so than the one where Moore gets promoted just because – Again, he's done so well with the offensive line. I don't necessarily want to pull him away from that and put him into a role where he's fully responsible for everything when that wasn't where they've been for the past couple of years. I have a hypothesis that I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast, but based on what we've seen on camera during games, anytime they show, like Michigan's on offense, they've got guys lining up, they show Harbaugh or they show Sharon Moore or they show Matt Weiss on camera for a few seconds, we would almost never see Harbaugh or Sharon Moore speaking into their headset. Usually if they were, it was like a, yeah, or I'd occasionally see Harbaugh say something like, what's the snap count? Or how much time's on the clock? Things like that, where he's not really directly involved in the play calling. Anytime they showed Matt Weiss, he was speaking quite a bit. And my hypothesis on that is that I think Weiss was really the kind of lead play caller and that the other guys were providing inputs, but it was mostly Weiss kind of driving that. So if I'm right, that that I think is what makes me a little bit more unsure about moving more up into that role, where if you're taking him and pushing him into a role he hasn't been in, not only as you know full offensive coordinator, like in a title sense, but in a play-calling sense, 
I don't think you can also ask him to still continue to coach the offensive line, which, like we were talking about, is a really complicated role that is almost a coordinator job into itself. So I, I think that results in more transition costs for the Michigan offense that I hope they don't have to deal with than the alternative of leaving more as co-OC slash O-line coach and having someone like Roman come in and maintain something closer to the two-headed system that they had last year. I think that's fair. So I guess while we're on the topic of continuity and what they've got coming back from last year, we did find out in the past few days, again, while I was unfortunately very preoccupied with trips and work meetings that I couldn't get out of, um, a little bit more about what next year's roster is going to look like. I think we've got pretty good clarity on that at this point. We had on the last episode talked about Blake Corum coming back, but there were Still a lot of other questions around the offensive line, around a few guys on defense, uh, around receiver. And you know, we've gotten answers to all of those. And for the most part, they've been very good, I would say. We have returns from Zach Zinter and Trevor Keegan. So both guards, who we thought we might lose one or both of to the NFL. Uh, same with Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson. Uh, and same with Chris Jenkins, who I was a little bit worried about given the progression he showed a defensive tackle last year I thought he turned into one of the better interior D linemen in the Big Ten so I think they've got a, a vast majority of the guys that they you know thought they might get back they, they have on the flip side the guys who have announced their departures are Mozzie Smith Mike Morris and Jemin Green Mozzie Smith and Mike Morris I think we we knew they were seniors and there was really no expectation that they were coming back so that was I don't think there was any real question about you know, getting those guys back, that was kind of assumed, and it was fine. Chemin Green was the only one that I think was a little bit disappointing, just in the sense that I thought once DJ Turner declared about a week and a half ago, it kind of made sense to me that Chemin Green, who had a sixth year available, might come back because he had a starting role kind of waiting for him at that point. Like, once Turner left, you had Will Johnson at one corner, Mikey Sane was still at nickel, but really the other outside corner spot was, was there for Gemin Green's taking if he wanted it, but he opted to uh, to enter the draft, which uh, is certainly great for all of those guys. I will never, <laughs> I will pretty much never blame someone for you know taking the shot at an NFL career and, and getting truly paid. But that is the one spot where I think there's kind of an open question with the transfers they've had coming in, the guys they've had coming back. They're in great shape basically everywhere, other than the number two corner spot is is kind of a, a question mark. I could see that being a spot where they go back to the portal, try to bring somebody in. There's not a ton of really high-end options still there with some of the commits that have come off the board in the last couple weeks. There's also the possibility that I know Michigan's coaching staff has been pretty high on Jaden McBurrows, who missed a bunch of time this year with injury, but he's kind of been getting talked up as a guy who they expect to be a a long-term starter. So that could definitely, you know, turn out to be the, the situation there where McBurrows just kind of seizes that job and, between Will Johnson and McBurrows and Sainer still, they've got a, a pretty good starting group there. But after that, there's basically nothing in terms of experience. I mean, you're talking about redshirt freshmen or true freshmen coming in who nobody really has the profile of like Will Johnson where you're going to expect a, a big immediate impact. So I still, even if they do think that way of McBurrows and kind of see him as the default option, I kind of think that they'll ultimately go back to the portal and bring somebody in there just for competitiveness slash depth's sake. I mean, that, that's a spot where you really need three or four guys. And right now they don't have that, so. Yeah, and I mean, that's got to be, if you're a 
you know, a corner in the transfer portal. It's got to be a pretty ideal landing spot. I mean, this is a team that by all accounts should be in a position to compete for a championship again. And should have one of the best defenses in the country again, given what they have coming back. And and you've got a starting role there for the taking. We'll see what they do if they try to, you know, develop a homegrown kind of option or if they try to to get someone out of the portal. But that's really the only place where I'm like, all right, we've got a hole. Like, and that's just about it. And that's really wild to say, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine a realistic scenario where the return slash departures worked out better than they did. I mean, to get Corum both your guards, two or three starting receivers. Uh, they did lose Ronnie Bell, declared for the draft, which we, we knew already as of the last episode. So nothing unexpected there. But uh, of all the guys, like I said, who were kind of up in the air or Michigan thought they might get back, they got almost all of them. And that's that leaves you feeling pretty good about where things are at going into 2023. I think we talked about this a little bit on the last episode that when you look at the you know way too early 2023 preseason rankings, Michigan is number two, number three in most of them. When you look at what they've got coming back, it's pretty hard to not see them being in the top three going into next season, which they haven't done since 1993 was the last time they opened the season in the top three. So again, kind of like during the season, as we were talking about, you know, hadn't beaten Ohio State in back-to-back seasons and won the Big Ten in back-to-back seasons since the late 80s, all these things that they hadn't accomplished in 25, 30 years or things that they'd never accomplished. You know, we're kind of, again, hitting new territory here going into 2023. So feels pretty good. A lot of weird stuff going on. But <laughs> when you kind of zoom out and think about, all right, a lot of that is bullshit and shouldn't really affect anything. When you look at what they have on the field and Jim Harbaugh coming back and how we're going to be feeling going into to camp and into the start of the season, things look pretty good. Right, like, I'm a messy bitch who loves drama, but, like, literal crimes are, like, too much for me. Like, I don't, I don't need, I don't need <laughs> literal criminal activity going on in my off seasons. Like, I'm, I would like to talk about actual football now. The problem is we're seven months away from actual football, and so that is very hard to do. And it's going to be so fucking hard to do all off season. Like, what are we going to do? There's no quarterback competition. There's no, like, there's nothing. What, what am I supposed to yeah, talk about? Yeah, we had a bunch of big episodes last year. Right? We had the whole episode that was just the, the quarterback debate and JJ versus Cade, who you got. And, right. What am I yeah, supposed I mean, this to team, do uh, for content? Are we going to debate Jaden McBurrows versus Transfer Corner to be named later? About, right. Like, what am I going to do with that? There are vanishingly few questions. It is like, going to be kind of weird, but also kind of great. I'm going to just, like, we're gonna have to like come up with some games like we're gonna have to like play trivia or something to like entertain the people i don't know i think for our next episode what i was actually planning to do for this episode until you know a billion things happened in the last week was kind of look back at what was a a really great season until the very end and do some sort of a you know what were our top 10 moments our best memories of the season because I do feel like it's still fucking middle of January. Like, Oh, that's cute. That's we're not the ready. warm I, I'm not ready, even with as good as next season looks like it's going to be, or as promising as it is right now, I'm not ready to fully move on from 2022 yet. There was a lot of, there were a lot of good memories and a lot of good moments. And even though it ended on a, a note that's going to leave a bit of a bitter taste in our mouths for a while, I, I want to spend a little bit of time reflecting on that and, and just um, savoring that for a little bit longer. 
I think that's fair. So I suppose that's a preview for what's to come in the next week-ish. We're, we're like on a less regimented once-a-week schedule in the off-season. It's usually about every 10 days, right, I feel like. is. is... Work's been a little rough recently. Has uh, delayed a couple of episodes here that we've been hoping to record. So but we, also, like, we're we getting need to, it we need to like, will... pack those extra three days in that, like, <laughs> yeah. between, to just because otherwise we're going to run out of shit to say. Like, we got to inflate the time between these episodes because god only knows man we also i, I know we've picked up a, a lot of viewer or viewers not to hopefully you're not looking at us but yeah i look listeners. like shit right now <laughs> um we've picked up a lot of listeners over the past uh like two months or so since the latter half of the season post michigan state or like leading up to ohio state and i, I thought we had a couple of really interesting discussions last off season around nil and like what's actually legal slash allowable for Michigan to do. Yeah, and except then, that episode is like borderline obsolete it's a, now. It might be obsolete now, yeah, but there was also one we did where as the former consultant in me built out a model to say, based on what we know about or what we've heard at least of numbers going around in terms of what quarterbacks are getting or you know what guys are getting offered at different positions and at different performance levels, what is Michigan's roster actually worth in NIL money? So maybe we'll we'll pull a couple of those back up and, and share those during the off season. I thought those were pretty interesting, and hopefully, if you're uh, you know if you're looking for something to listen to that might tide you over for a little while, give those a listen. Go back and, and check them out. For sure, we will also come up with new shit. I will brainstorm. Oh, of course, yeah. There's no question. I've just got to figure out what it is. And right now, we're record as we record this. It's like 11 p.m. at the end of a work. We like my brain's not coming up with that shit today. We spend all week just, you know, talking about random college football shit in between work calls and whatever else we've got going on. So we always come up with plenty of things that we can just bring from the couch I mean, to the the podcast. That basically. was the genesis of the podcast, oh, right. really. It was just us, like, taking, you know, long lunches and work from home and being like, hey, what do you think about whatever news story I just you know, sent him on Twitter. Right. What's your take on Greg Roman? Are we going to hire him? What is that a good right. move? A bad, like, and yeah, that's, we just that's how moved this shit it to the was internet. Born. <laughs> so, and we just decided to record it and put it on the internet it's for like the radio on the internet, <laughs> like subsection of you people who bother to listen to us. We thank you if you do though. And if you're still here specifically, thank you for listening to this episode and we'll see you back next week. Go blue.